1: Hello and welcome to From the Rookery, a podcast about Watford Football Club, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is, is John, with me uh, this evening uh, is Michael. Good evening. That's a bright and chipper Michael we like, because Watford are promoted, and Adam Leventhal.
2: A very good evening! Yes, <laughs> oh, he's
1: what we like. He's out-chippered you there, Mike. Because you know, it is. Be, <laughs> it, it has been five days since Watford got promoted to the Premier League. It was all confirmed. Uh, and we really hope you've got all the pondweed out of your ears. Uh, and you've had a few <laughs> days just to relax. And you didn't batter an eyelid at Brentford taking on Rotherham on Tuesday. It was such a relief to just I to did. relax.
0: I
3: did. Did you? Yeah, I listened to it. Just, just to remember what it was like to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> just to sort of, yeah, just just out of a bit of muscle memory, but also, uh, yeah, just to remember. I mean, I looked at the score, but I went, I looked at it and went, doesn't matter. <laughs> and then I went away. I cannot wait for the playoffs, though, now. It's such a nice feeling. That was yeah. my, one of my first feelings. Oh, yeah, I can sit and watch... You know, get some snacks, get some beers in and watch the watch the playoffs unfold. Absolutely magnificent.
1: So you've been that bit weird in the last five days, Michael. Um <laughs> torturing yourself. But Adam, how's it been for you? You know, after that final whistle on Saturday, how are you feeling? How's how's the last few days been for you?
2: It's similar to the discussion you've just had there about feeling just completely relieved and, and detached from any pressure, which is just mm. absolutely Fantastic. I mean, from a from a work point of view, obviously, there's loads to sort of kick on with and get your teeth into. But just in general terms, there was always that feeling of, oh, no, no, don't, don't throw it away. Don't don't, you know, all and then for it to happen on Saturday as planned. Yeah, it was a little bit nervy, but they got the win that everyone was expecting them to get took my time to to leave this leave the stadium and it took a while for all the sort of the manager and the players to come in and um, do their post-match press conferences and then I, I had a, a meander up to the to the pond to see what it was all about and realized I wasn't pissed at all in comparison <laughs> with everyone that was up there and made Late a quick party, sort of beeline yeah. out of there yeah but it was, no, it was great to see wasn't it it was nice that there was that sort of gathering and it was all done on a, you know, on a nice level and everyone was enjoying themselves and you know it, would, it obviously would have been fantastic for everyone to be in the stadium, we know that. But this week, what I've been thinking about is what it's going to be like when the fans are back in the stadium and how much of a lift it's going to be and, and sort of feeling sympathy for, for Shisco Munoz and some of the players that haven't had fans in the stadium and almost feeling like we'll get a, a new manager bounce in the Premier League because the manager, the head coach, hasn't had an opportunity to feel that sort of, that passion that he will, Mm. he's, you know, what an amazing experience that he'll have now, sort of being welcomed in, Mm. having already got all that credit in the bank. I think it's going to be, it's going to be great. And yeah, that's what I'm looking forward, just looking forward to it. Looking forward to playing in the Premier League and and sort of not having the, the worries of, all the sort of subplots of how difficult it's going to be and when are we going to play Manchester City and things like that but just <laughs> just looking forward to
3: the prospect which is which is lovely it's blissful it's the little thing isn't it like seeing the badge next to the Premier League logo again it's like yes we're back you know we've we've cracked it and it's just yeah it like you say it is it's exciting and knowing that the, the the sort of teams that we're going to be playing again next season off it just feels like it was a season off doesn't it which is which is uh, which is great, but I think your point about Cisco and that that reception that he he will get, it was going to be great anyway. Having you know the the way he's held himself and what he's done at Watford, then getting promotion, but and I think, you know, since promotion, I think it's really hit home, hasn't it? Just how much he sacrificed for Watford and just how what a challenge yeah. it's been for him and I think if possible he's gone up in people's estimation and, and people loved him already didn't they so yeah I think that's a, a really good point and that will be an incredible moment the first time in the, the gates are open and Watford kick off against, uh, against whoever it is brilliant got goosebumps just thinking about it
1: yeah so another wave of happiness mm-hmm. has come across me um, but we have already of course started looking ahead and thinking what's <laughs> next for Watford uh, and, and right now on The Athletic there's an article written by Adam uh, about Watford's Premier League plans uh, and if you want to read that the details of the article, then go to athletic.com. But if you haven't subscribed yet, get yourself to the athletic.com forward slash rookie end, uh, where you can currently get a 40% discount off subscriptions. That's $3.99 a month, about 14p a day for the first six months. You'll get this podcast uh, absolutely ad-free on the website or on the app, uh, as well as access to some of the world's leading sports journalists uh, from the entire team at The Athletic. But let's talk about that big man, the important man, the head coach, Adam you gave me a, a, a moment of relief uh, of another thing not to worry about when in that article you confirmed that Cisco Munoz uh, is going to be the Watford head coach for next season. Ah, oh. Mike, you fell in love with him. You said on the, on the weekend. Um, how do you feel for him when you and, and and the whole situation when you found out that you know he's he's going to be the guy for next year?
3: I kept the whole thing. I kept the relationship at arm's length <laughs> Didn't because. Taste him. Uh, no, no, I didn't. Well, he t- I just refused to text him back. I turned off the read receipts on WhatsApp and uh, just let him get on with the job. Quite frankly, but I, I, I didn't let myself fall for him because I always felt there was a, a serious chance that he would be moved on. Um, over the summer, I think that I, would, I, I just did wonder whether last year's situation in the Premier League would hang over Gino and Scott and, and and the hierarchy at Watford and they'd be really really worried about going down again and therefore whether they would go for someone with a little bit more experience but having let the whole thing wash over me over the weekend having heard from Cisco having seen the reaction of the players and sort of pieced the puzzle together of how what happened happened and realising that it was down. Yes, that was an amazing squad. Yes, it was a really good side and one that should be challenging at the top of the table. But we saw that you put the wrong man in charge and, and you don't necessarily get the results. But it quickly became apparent to me that he had got that team firing. He'd got them smiling, he'd got them playing, he'd got them performing, he'd got them promoted. And it would be a cold, cold person who wouldn't argue that he doesn't deserve um, a, a shot at it next year, isn't it? And But I was just, I just kept that on ice. I'd sort of detached myself from it because I just we know we know what can happen. You know we complain about people in the press sort of saying about the the managerial merry-go-round, and it's a terrible lazy phrase. Most people don't really understand the system, but the reality is they say it because it's true. There's a there is a, a a big turnover of of head coaches, and would any of us have really been surprised if uh, if, if if he hadn't stayed? I'm delighted, and yeah, like you, um, John, when you read Adams' piece, it was. Ah, oh, good. He's earned that. He deserves it. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to see what he can do. Adam, what was it, do
1: you think, that clinched that deal and why we, well, we didn't get another Slavise Djokanovic situation? What was it? You know, there's, there's probably multiple, but, but what I think his, his true strengths are, that, that why they're, they're keeping him around when, like as Mike said, many of us thought he was the one to be moved on and, and probably ever, everyone else in the football world um, probably put a bet on it, thinking that's mm. what Watford do. What was it Think his, it clinched the deal?
2: The perception from outside the the football club and, and you know people outside the Watford bubble will will have probably had short memories and gone if if Watford had sacked Shisko Munoz, people would have been really really shocked, of course outside of outside of Watford, and then within people will have gone, okay, now, we can understand it, especially because we remember what happened with with Slavia now there is a a different feeling at the at the football club. In general, there's there's a, a positive atmosphere. There's been a feeling of sort of rebirth, let's say, to mm. to, a, to a certain degree, and I think primarily the reason why they have sort of resolved to to stick with him is that yes, he achieved his number one target. He did it with with two games to spare, but overall, he has he has bought into the to the structure to the, the Pozzo model. He's, he's not put any noses out of joint. He hasn't put a word out of place. He's been very much part of a team in terms of his coaching staff, but also fitting in with some of the, you know, the hires that the club have made to establish what we know as Watford fans is the way that Gino Pozzo wants his football clubs run, that you have a strong framework of people around the head coach and maybe his assistant that you can then just if you if you don't fancy the head coach and this might be Shisko, you know however long down the line in, in the Premier League we don't know fingers crossed that you know he keeps on going all the way through but that they can then just pick him out and plop another one in the centre and not much is, is harmed. Obviously we know that that is, it has a destructive impact on on morale and things like that, and the perception of the fans and, and stuff like that. But my feeling is, and my understanding of sort of what they've been doing behind the scenes is to just try and reestablish that framework around a head coach again, and try and find someone that really, you know, gets it, buys into it, and and wants to be there. And and you know, he's a, he's a young up and coming head coach, which which fits in with the the profile that that they like. He's also got you know the experience from from not playing, uh, from having played not that long ago. Um, he's also sort of got decent mentors in the likes of you know, Rafa Benitez in, in particular, and um, and others. He's got you know friends that have been established footballers, so he comes from sort of good footballing stock as well. So, I just think that he's really he's really fitted in well, and his personality. Goes a long way, and he's made a connection on a, on a human level, but also a professional level with the, with the players. And also, he has accepted that he has made mistakes. Mm-hmm. The worst thing is when someone goes in there, and and I'm not going to say I'm not going to say he was always like this, but but the perception of someone like Valter Sari, for example, who you just thought he was just sort of old school bludgeoning his way through managing as a, as a head coach it's sort of my way or the highway when you've got someone that's younger you know relatively inexperienced for them to actually go oh, you know yeah I've made a few mistakes along the way you know we saw those lovely pictures inside the dressing room where he said know, yeah, I've made mistakes and da 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 he that he's still learning and he's happy to lean on those around him and I think that that then garners a more of a team spirit and more of a collective spirit so I think just in general terms he's been a, a positive, shining sort of heartbeat inside the dressing room. He's been able to inspire his players and he's you know, he's done what he does best. You know, being inspirational on the touchline, keeping that motivational element buzzing all the time, and then let others around to do their job as well. So all in all, he's he's got it he's got it right. Obviously the Premier League is going to be a huge challenge. There's still question marks, you know, will he will he be able to manage in game as well as is needed against some of the real sort of tacticians in the Premier League and things like that. But you know, he's earned the he's earned the chance and he's earned it by being a, a good bloke and also making sacrifices as well, like Mike alluded to earlier on, being away from his family, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I think he's he's been a positive element and i think they they've they felt it right to reward him with that opportunity and i think it, i think it is the right it's the right choice and it means that we have a summer whereby that's not the key the key thing squad strengthening and other things just being in the premier league concentrating on that rather than reinforcing all those sort of negative perceptions of watford as we head into a premier league i think is really good keep the head coach that got you up and see how you go
1: and let's see how he goes it's interesting, Mike. You know, uh, in the some more players have been doing interviews the last couple of days, uh, and they definitely talked about the negativity uh, that surrounded the the changing room and the the, the training ground uh, under Vladimir Ivic, and and that sort of positivity um, is, is is always seems to be the way that that makes everything successful, um, particularly with footballers. And they want lots of reassurances for me that seems to be the most most important thing do you feel though it, the premier league is going to bite him a bit too hard too quickly
3: well look you think about who else is managing in the in the premier league and you know he's he, like adam has said there he's got a he's got an extensive footballing knowledge he's got he's had um, important and weighty people around him um, to to advise him and to to learn from so he's not a you know it's not like he's a completely wet behind the ears novice it's not like someone who stepped from behind the the, the 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 a laptop playing football manager for a couple of years and and found himself in in a job is it he you know he is a high performing high functioning um, football man um, and you don't you don't do what he's done with without any of that I think the most in, interesting thing for me is just that how you manage that keeping Gino happy you know fulfilling the role that that he has to um, fulfill as a head coach which is as Adam says you have to you have to maintain that that structure so that someone else can come in and you have to recognize that and you have to appreciate that and you know I don't think Vladimir Ivich did did he for example he was making noises very very early on about the makeup of the squad and almost well, straight how, how many other former managers have done that well, have I think he? We had, well, not really. I think the only ones really that have done it, you know, I think Walter Mazzari was, was very much his own man, wasn't he? And he he stood out. It's interesting that Adam mentions him. You know, he he he's the absolute juxtaposition to Zisco, isn't he? All just a yeah, just a an absolute sort of unstoppable force really he was going to he's going to do whatever he wanted wasn't he and you know Troy spoke very highly of him Said a really good tactician so it's not necessarily a criticism but it is you for, for for Watford to work you have to fit into that into your silo don't you You have to understand that you're where your the, the boundaries are and what I find fascinating is how you keep Gino and, and Scott happy by by effectively doing what you're told. That's very reductive. That's not what the job is. But you know what I mean, knowing the boundaries, whilst also maintaining the respect uh, of the players. And that's something that he's done incredibly well so far. And I think if he can be that buffer, if he can sort of deal with what he has to deal with from the top and then keep the players that he's given happy, motivated and performing – then there's absolutely no reason that he can't make a, a, the real success of this. I've all, whenever I'm spoken to by supporters of other clubs or on, on the radio or whatever, they say, oh, you know, why do they keep doing it? Why do they keep getting rid of head coaches? And I think my answer is still the same. There's no desire to get rid of a head coach every year. I think they would be absolutely delighted if Cisco Munoz was still here in five years' time. There's no desire just to, to move it on. And I think if anyone can, can fulfil the role that is you know without getting you know blurring those lines straying too much out of the uh, out of the structure that is in place to make sure it works then then you'll be successful Keep the hierarchy happy and and keep the players happy and motivated as well. And you have to somehow meld that together. You have to, you know, if you can see that someone isn't isn't performing. I was listening; they were talking about the, the, the Brian Clough documentary earlier, and and um, they mentioned Archie Gemmel Obviously, said something out of place in the in the dressing room, and that was it. One of the best players in the in the team out. Clough wouldn't have it because he undermined him. And it's how you manage it when things get tricky. I think that's the, that's going to be the real measure of it. When players perhaps, you know, if Ishmael Asar towards the end of the season starts, you know, Man United are in, Liverpool are in in January, sniffing around, how does he react to that? How does Cisco Munoz manage that in terms of um, the impact on the squad? How does he manage it in terms of you know, what what Gino and, and the others are doing, perhaps negotiating for a potential transfer. How does he feel about that? So there's all these sorts of competing issues that will become increasingly intense, I suspect, as the Premier League season moves on. But from what we've seen so far, there's no reason he can't he can't manage it because you know Vladimir Ivich was a very experienced head coach, um, used to success, used to dealing with you know with similar situations and expectations, and ultimately he didn't deal with it very well, did he? Sisko Munoz, nowhere near the experience, came in, dealt with it immeasurably better, so. It's going to be fascinating, um, but how you manage it, there's going to be, those balls are going to be in the air and they're going to get hotter, aren't they? Hotter to the touch as, as the season goes on. So, He's got a massive job on. Let's let's not let's not face let's not let's not dress it up. This it feels to me that this is going to be a slightly tougher season because I think the expectation levels will be greater than when we went up under uh, when Ikanovic got us promoted and and under under Kike. I think we most, a lot of supporters will expect to stay in the Premier League this year, whereas last time we just didn't know, did we? Um, so I think it, it feels like it's a, it's going to be a tougher job. But so far. He's got the balance just right and I think it's how long he can maintain that, that and that will be, that will dictate his, his longevity and success.
2: This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League
0: 1? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Part of the Athletic Podcast
1: Network. This is from the rookery end. What's next for the players in the squad? When we were up last time, 2015, there was about... Of the 22 players or so that finished the season, only 12 of them were kept around for the first year in the Premier League under Kike. We signed 11. You know, great players. Jose Holobas, Etienne Capu, Victor Barbo, <laughs> over your life, Adam you know there's, 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 got, there's always lots of things to consider when you're, when you're making choices on who you're going to sign you know there's the strength, the need to strengthen uh, there's the current situation the pandemic and the, the, you know, the financial ramifications because of that and also now previous experience all these things sort of come together which one is going to be the biggest dictator do you think for Gino Scott and uh, Cristiano Gervetta what's going to be the biggest factor in terms of what they do in this transfer market
2: you know, in general terms, they will think right. Well, we've managed to get away with it a little bit to to go down and lose too many players. I know they, you know, quite a few they lost after after relegation, but not too many. That you sort of gone. You've still got a core of a of a Premier League squad that can go back up and will need some some additions. Um, and obviously, that the the finances will be quite key in the whole thing. But I think some of the sort of the key subplots to to where they are now is if you get back up into the Premier League, you can start to plan for you know even with the even with the the damage that has been done with with the pandemic to the, to the balance sheet, you can you can recover um, and sort of strike that financial equilibrium far far easier. I mean, it sounds obvious, but you can you can sort of not have to worry too much too much about the purse strings because you've got that big cash injection not only for the next year but you then can plan budget for 50% of that for the following year if you were to get relegated. Let's hope that that doesn't happen. But also they can they can look at the the players that they have um still that they know are heading into the last years of their contracts the likes of you know Troy Dini and and Andre Gray and Ben Foster and think, well, we can probably sustain those wages if we if we do keep them all in the Premier League because we've got Premier League money. So they don't need to worry too much about that. Obviously, they want to evolve and it might be that, you know, the likes of, I don't know, Deeney or Gray or whoever you know, gets an offer for two years somewhere else, for example, and, and then, you know, they can get them off the wage bill. Or Isaac Success, for example, who, you know, hasn't really hit it off, even coming back and looking more more like an athlete since, you know, he's been back, but not really done enough to to sort of show that he deserves another shot in the Premier League. But we will see. And then they have to basically decide... What are the key positions that they need to strengthen to ensure that the squad is sort of doubled up in each position? And I think that, as we, as we were talking about right at the beginning of last season, they need to, they need to bring someone in at left back, and that might be that they can bring in Ashley Young, for example. He's been talked about.
1: How realistic is that, do you think, Ashley Young? It, it seems beautiful and poetic.
2: Yeah, but I think it also does make sense because you've got a player that wants to come, that has a connection with the club, you don't want to be beholden to someone that just wants to, you know, make sure that their career fits exactly how they want it to fit. But he has got a sort of a desire to come back to England. Um, I think he feels like he would he would like to come back and, and finish off at, at Watford. You know, he's, th- he's going to be 36 in July, I think it is. But he's still competing at a high level, you know, at the top of Serie A, you know, in European football. Uh, he's not playing all the time, but... He's still playing at a very high level, so he could quite easily drop in and and play for Watford. It's almost like I, it's not the same, but it's sort of a you know same position, but it's almost like just just humour me for a minute. But it's like Holobas getting relegated with with Watford, and us thinking, well, he wasn't good enough for us in the Premier League, but then he goes off and and plays in Greece at Olympiakos, and then he's playing in in Europe again. So, you know, even if you are in your advanced years, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's that's it if you've if you've maintained your fitness other people can view you in a different way even if one set of fans might think oh well he's he's finished now he's he's going nowhere so i think that ashley young is a different breed obviously he's got he's come from big massive clubs i manchester united and then play for 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 inter so he's got a lot to offer more than just him um playing i think as a as a new leader in the group i think he would be he would be very positive, but it all has to fit together in terms of the, the the financial package. And There's been talk that Inter Milan might offer him another another deal and stuff because uh, the way that
3: the, the season is going to pan out and all that sort of stuff. So that, that's still to be decided. Ad, uh, do you think that if Ashley Young came in, it's quite a marquee signing. It's one that would, people would sit up and notice. Do you think that has any impact on then in turn uh, trying to attract other players? Because whether you know in terms of the project and and how the squad is is, is evolving, you know if they, if, they, if Watford look like they're going to have a decent stab at staying up with their with their early recruitment, and if he was one of them, are more players likely to to fall in line? Do you think, or is that a little bit basic?
2: No, I think it plays a big part. I think it has you know the the influence on. On other players that might think, oh right, yeah, fair enough. Wow, okay, I'd, I'd quite like to just simply, I'd quite like to play with Asher Young. I think that's quite, a, you know, quite a good, quite a yeah, good yeah. thing to do. So, yeah. yeah, I think it makes sense. And also, you need to have a mix of, you know, young players that you're bringing in that you hope to develop and then sell on, but also you need to then bring in leaders that can help yeah. you. And I, I sort of think back to, you know, they've done it before. You know, when they first arrived, for example, Marco Cassetti's is a really good example, someone that was sort of. More like a an old desk rather than a brand new piece of you know balsa wood furniture. He was like heavy duty, been there, done it. Couldn't necessarily move around quite as quickly as he used to, but he was there for experience and and knowledge and know how. and And I think that Ashley Young would be would be a very very similar signing. and And it's been interesting watching, you know, the the perception, especially on social media, of people going, "Oh no, it's a backwards step," and you know he's. He's 36 and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, having really experienced people around in that dressing room just to get everyone sort of, I don't know, just tuned in at times when they need to. I think I think it would be a very shrewd signing, especially because he would love to be there. He, You know, that makes all the difference. It's, it's all well and good. You, you know, you go into the Premier League, you get loads of money and then you bring in players that might only be coming or might only have been sort of channeled your way because oh they they are a premier league team generic premier league team they're going to pay me a generic 50 60 70 grand a week or whatever it's great that you've got a player that actually wants to come and would love it to be a you know a great swan song to his career i think it, i think it would be i think it'd be great you know so let's let's see if that happens um and then, you know, in other areas of the squad, they need to balance the, the players that are coming into the last year of their contracts. As we mentioned, you know, Dini and Gray, but in midfield, for example, Shalabar and Hughes, they're sort of more priority players that they'd like to retain. But also they want to upgrade in, in pretty much every position because they know that some of the players that are still there that were playing in the Premier League, they were relegated because they weren't quite up to it. Mm-hmm. And will a sort
3: of a collective spirit be able to counter, counter some of the weaknesses that we did have before? That's a question I've got for both of you, because when we went up last time, we brought in Horibas, Neom, Britos, Prudel, and Aki, all defensive recruits who played, mm. you know, a pretty major part in in us staying up that season. Um, you know, even Alan Neom was was good to start with, wasn't he? Um, yeah. Uh, so that was a that was a decent decent transfer window, wasn't it? And it was it was obviously a very clear priority to shore us up in defence I have this nagging doubt for exactly the reason that you mentioned there Ad that we got relegated last year with, with some of these players you know Kiko has been absolutely sensational this year and I'm absolutely going to bask in the the quality we've seen from him but we saw against Luton didn't we he got turned a couple of times got booked twice he got sent off and we lost the game and that was a relatively common sight in the in the Premier League wasn't it you know when he's when the attacker got the wrong side of him there tended to be only one winner Um and it didn't take me long to get back into negative mics. did it oh <laughs> premier league mate we're going up this is wonderful i love the manager yeah we're rubbish we need more players well um, as, as adam
1: said like you said surely the club are looking at every position you should look at every position and and see what you what you have and see what's out there if there is something better out there and you can afford it then then go for it but but it, surely the, the the priority has to be the, the strike force because there are lots of forwards and we haven't had that go-to player or, or or that go-to team, let's say that are going to do what they're going to do. We're going to see Eshmael Assar be there and ping the ball in the box. Pedro still young, still wasn't quite firing on all cylinders, uh, doing his bit, doing his work, but not necessarily putting the ball in the back of the net. You no, know, Adam, we we like to see, you know, Cucho Hernandez, this, this wonder player we've had in the book since 1924, but you know, he hasn't really played for Watford. Um, <laughs> are we going to see somebody else and and you know with that having these players to come in to upgrade us you know it feels like for me Deeney Gray success uh, i it, it, maybe one of you will stay but not all three of you can stay not with the limitations of a of a premier league um, squad numbers is it is that the is, is the striker the priority do you think for for gino to be honest it, they've been trying to get the right man
2: in for not just, you know, it's not going to just be this summer. It's been quite a few years to try yes. and find that right next step after after Troy. You know, either to play alongside him previously or now if you're going to be playing more sort of commonly used, you know, three three up top or or a lone striker with three behind, you need someone is basically you know a younger model more mobile has the ability for example and I, I don't want to be disparaging to, to Troy because you know he has done a, he's done a lot for the football club he's still a legend he's still there I think personally it would be it would be good if he was happy to be Watford's plan B I think that that would be a perfect scenario but I can understand if he doesn't necessarily want to be that or he doesn't consider himself to be a plan b he still considers himself to be you know first choice on the on on the team sheet and that's where i have to sort of leave that to for people to decide whether that's whether that's realistic in the premier league uh, again but i think you look at someone that could come in who is you know young and hungry and able to sort of you know lead a lead a press if if need be that that's what watford need but they are bloody hard to find. And that's the big problem. So, you know, often it it has been, right, okay, we're bringing someone in to sort of push Troy. And then Troy's actually been inspired by a person that might not be quite up to speed. I I look at someone like, you know, Stefano Akaka, you know, being brought in as the sort of someone that might be able to do that, that job instead of Troy. But then it became, oh, well, let's play them together. Oh, actually, is he reliable enough? Oh, no, 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 Troy, Troy gets back in. So, and that's not, you know, that's because he can also do good things. But I think this season, and I think, you know, he's reflected that a little bit in the interviews that he's done, you know, recently and and on the day of the promotion and stuff. It's been difficult for him to be watching and to be outside of all of this. You know, I'm fascinated to see how the club approach it. And I think it would be, it would be a real positive if they could start the season with a fresh outlook in terms of having spent you know maybe the majority of the the budget that they've got on someone that is the one that they believe can lead the line for the next couple of years to take Watford on that level and to sort of to also take the heat a little bit off of Joao Pedro who I think is a, a wonderful prospect Still not convinced whether he's a central striker. I think he could probably do a better job out on the left-hand side or dropping a little bit deeper. But maybe in time, as he bulks up even more, then yes, he could be the, your, sort of, your, your number nine. I hope that they do do that. But there is, you know, there's there's lots of different different elements connected to that. You know, you can't just have someone who you're having as a as a plan B if it is going to be Troy. You know, sitting on the bench, and if he's not happy to be doing that, if 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 that's going to be sort of a, a negative for the dressing room. So there's all these things to to piece together, isn't there?
1: You, you talk, I mean, for me with with Troy, you talk about Ashley Young and you know there being a, an authoritative, experienced, older player to come in and new, and you do worry that Troy is just being the only consistent loud voice in that changing room but you know he still has the drive you know he still has the personal desire to still be a a success from what he sort of said i think he does know he has he's a man who's had two reasonable length injuries and operations that Hmm. and his age and how much he has been kicked and hit and you know (laughs) injured uh, on a, a, a weekly basis uh, for the last 10 years at Watford. Your realism is that he definitely has a role he can play, but it's not necessarily to be Mr. Number One. It's to, it's to be you know the, the best player, and thank God you're still around, relief when he does what we know he can do. It's just not going to be on a weekly basis and, and
3: be dependable on it. The sensible thing with, with Troy is to utilise him. And that, and the way to do that is to have open and honest conversations with him about how they think he can best serve Watford Football Club, and and vice versa. You know, I think his relationship—I don't know, but I—I I think the relationship with him and uh, and Gino is a, is a good one. He's, you know, Troy has been at the club for a long, long time. I don't think he is the only powerful voice in the in the dressing room. I think there are some good ones in there as well um, but I think that the sensible thing is to how could we get you know how could we get the best out of this guy he is um, he's really experienced he's committed to Watford he loves the club um, and you know he played injured for a lot of the time so we, we can't doubt his his commitment so I think the best thing is you know be honest with him and I'm, I'm sure he will be honest back and you'd like to think that as Adam alluded to they can hit on what the approach is going to be next season sooner rather than later work out how he feeds into that because you know, a Happy Troy is a productive Troy, and is, is someone that I think would be brilliant to have around the the club. I think Adam is also absolutely right to to mention how difficult it is to find a, a striker that scores goals. You know, we talk about um, Hernandez, who's out on loan. He's at Getafe. I think he's got two in seventeen. Uh, before him, it was Suarez who 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 left with uh, at the same time as a stupinian he went to granada he's got 5 in 20 so a better a much better record um but but again not you know he's not pulling up any any trees so these were guys that have been spoken about in sort of almost reverential terms about you know when they land with us they're going to be brilliant you know they haven't exactly set the goal scoring charts on fire now that's no no criticism i haven 't seen either of them play at close quarters and there's nothing to say that the the four might turn around but what what it is is just a reminder of how difficult it is to find a a striker who is going to work and work for 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 the way we want to to play football i mean Adam, I wanted to ask it to just get your sense because Already it started. We're not even in May. And, you know, there are names starting to fly around on social media about who might be coming in and who's been started here. And I was going I to say, you, go go say to
1: you guys seem to think that this is hard to find players. I look on Twitter and they <laughs> seem to know.
3: They all know who the player is who's going to do it. <laughs> but, yeah, but, come on, sorry, Mike. Yeah. There's, there's an obvious one that that gets mentioned. If, if, if And we'll use them as a case study, as a sort of as a bellwether, if you like. But if Brentford don't go up, you'd imagine there's going to be people sniffing around Ivan Toney, for example. And you know there was a lot of conversation about whether or not he was close to joining Watford. He didn't, whatever. He's now, you you would have thought, at least a £30 million striker, considering the, the season he's had at, at Brentford, give or take a, a couple of quid. Uh, for me, I wouldn't expect Watford to be splashing that sort of money on on a player, Adam, what's your what's your sense on that? Am I misguided or is, is that the right sort of is it at this stage, you know, before we've even hit May, get ready to understand that we're just not going to be spending that sort of money because not only is it money, but there'll be other teams. If we've noticed a striker, we can bet your bottom dollar that other teams in the Premier League uh, will have noticed a striker as as well. If you use the example of Ivan Tony, I
2: think that that ship has unfortunately sailed because, yes, Watford did have an opportunity to get him when he was at Peterborough and they, they turned that opportunity down. You can almost sort of picture the, the conversation that the hierarchy would be having of, right, yeah, you know, we could have had him for like five mil. He's 40 mil now. Should we should we buy him? <laughs> I can't see Gino going. Yeah, that that sounds like a good plan. You know, I think that that's of now they that's one you sort of miss out on them and and it happens and you yeah, know, yeah. you look back at the the time when Watford uh were potentially going to try and sign Ivan Tony. They were in a similar situation to the one that they are in at the moment. You know, they've got two number 9s with Deeney and Gray and they were thinking maybe they might be leaving, but it was a little bit too early because Peterborough were then able to sell Brentford. They nipped in and signed him. And, you know, the deal was done and Watford weren't really in the position to do it. So, you know, that was a circumstantial error rather than a sort of a a, a complete oversight, I think. They need to invest in someone, but I don't think they're going to be paying big bucks for it because I think, you know, even though I was saying earlier on that it's easier to deal with it now that you're in the Premier League... There is still going to be a few dents in the in the finances after you know relegation and covid to deal with, so i don 't think they 're going to take big risks. They will probably think well look we 've got a decent supply line around around a central striker." Let's maybe just try and get someone that's a little, bit, a little bit more potent, comes in that's a little bit more, cheaper? you know, hungry, that's not cheaper. Well, cheaper, but, but that's also not, a, you know, he's not a made man. You know, he's, he's hungry, he really wants to come in and, and, and prove himself. And I think that that's, that's, what, that's what's needed. And, you know, Mike, you mentioned about Kucho Hernandez. You know, my understanding is, and I, I put it in the article, that, you know, he is going to be brought into the group. They'll make an assessment. But I think they will be wary of Luis Suarez, who, you know, in an ideal scenario, if they had stayed in the Premier League, I think he would have been given an opportunity to be the next in line and a chance to prove himself in the Premier League. But they missed out on that. And obviously, Estupinian went went the same way. So they're going to be wary of, of the Hernandez situation, I think. And and hope hopefully his, you know, his head hasn't been turned by an agent and, you know, he's lined up to go and do a, a loan at... I don't know Villarreal or, or whatever it is. They do have new options, and there are other names that you know are being mentioned as as we're you know recording now. Ike Ugbo, who's who's a Chelsea player who's been out on loan and scoring goals in in Belgium. Um, he's he's a potential one that the club have sort of got on their radar. You know, younger players playing in slightly different positions. Quadwo Bar is someone that they're negotiating with as well, more as a backup to to the left side i think that that would be so maybe back up to sema or or maybe you know if they if sema were to depart for example maybe he could come in and be understudy to someone else that they might bring in there's other players that you know at udinese that have been that have been linked so there's lots of options and we have got a lot of time but what i like is that it's, what, five days afterwards and things are moving already. Mm -hmm. And it shows the advantage that Watford have, having got the job done a month before the Premier League ends, a month before the the playoffs will be finalised. They can get their business done. And also they can try and, you know, tell players, aren't part of their plans, you know, right, sorry, almost in advance of the end of the season you can look you can look for a new club and and that gives them an opportunity to not only sort of clear the squad out a little bit but also for those players to say look fair play you you got us promoted but you can try and get something sorted and then you can have a holiday and that I quite like that that yeah. situation if you could be open and honest with your players it, that's just that's just the football industry that's fine, that's not a problem you know if you if you're told you're not part of our plans fine that's that's fine especially if you've got a year left of your contract and you know you could go and find a new club or or whatever I think that that's a that's a good way of of behaving so this early promotion automatic promotion being able to watch smug smuggy smuggerson of the playoffs (laughs) means that Watford can you know be getting their business done early and I think that that is a really really valuable thing
0: this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is From the Rookery End.
1: So we've got the coach. We're in the Premier League, and we're on the front foot in terms of all this player transfer. Do you think, Mike, we're going to see a different a very different or a little bit different Watford in the Premier League next year than we did in the last five years we were there?
3: What I will really want to see, um, and it does feel different, it feels like like, we're we're moving quicker, we've got the head coach that we we know we want, we're not going in... To the season off the back of something negative, you know, the year we went down, we we fell away in the league, didn't we? And then had the the catastrophe in the FA Cup final. So th- there's always been little niggles, and there were there were players that wanted out, that it, and we players that we probably felt like we hung on to a little bit longer. And it felt like things were a little bit rotten. Is probably overstating it, but everything was out of kilter, wasn't it? And and it was the perfect storm, and we ended up with a disastrous season that, that saw us relegated. So what I think we need to be looking at and what I'm hopeful for is is a return to that sort of first season, but uh, that first season plus. We need to get the right characters in. We need to get people who are committed to the cause. They believe in Watford, they believe in the coach, and they believe in the players. They believe in how they're going to go about this season. We, we cannot have players who are coming in, Bewildered because they thought they were signing for someone else and have, have, have been parachuted in to, to Watford, signing for Watford, thinking they're going to play in the Premier League and ending up going somewhere else. I think it just what I want to see is players understanding their role from the from the get go and and being committed to it. I think we've had enough of questionable attitudes and characters. Now, that's maybe or may not be the player's fault. It may not be anyone's fault. It could have just been a set of circumstances. But what if, if this Watford season is going to be successful, then character, I think, is as big a thing as ability. You know, abilities obviously... <laughs> Relatively important when you're a, when you're a highly skilled uh, elite level put, footballer, but you know what I mean. i think We it, we need to sound out people and whether they're going to be able to stand together in the trenches. We know we've got some there. You know, Troy is one. We know Will Hughes can do it. Tom cleverly goalkeeping department. We know they're they they they're strong chaps. They they're made of, of of firm stuff. We need people that are going to stand shoulder to shoulder with them and not go missing when it does go, get difficult say, for example, perhaps at the Etihad, Um, you know, they need to be able to dig deep and not just all of a sudden when it starts getting hard, think, well, I'm better than this and next year I'm going to get a move to um, Getafe or something. Uh, Character, 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 character. That is what's going to get us through this season. And I think, as Adam said there, we've got an opportunity to identify those who have got the ability and the character, perhaps assess them a little bit. I talked earlier about, you know, will we be able to attract the players we want with, with, you know, a bit of window dressing like Ashley Young? Will that help? Ashley, if you're listening, you're more than window dressing to me and always will be, just to to, to be clear. But we it's perhaps we interview them as opposed to uh, who can we attract to Watford? You know, apply a real rigorous filter to who comes in and who gets to wear this yellow shirt that we've fallen in love with all over again. So, Character, massive watchword for me. You might have guessed, I've said it about 16 times in the last four seconds, but I, I think it's so important that that is going to be, that's one of the integral building blocks for a successful season.
1: Adam, do you think the hierarchy at the club have are going to approach this this differently? Not just because of the, the COVID and the pandemic stuff. Do you think they're going to have a different approach to Premier League version two for them?
3: Character. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll use another c-word in a minute if you don't stop saying character. Um, now, I think that you can go into a season, and this is something that I, is more sort of my my view than than any view that I think is is held within. But I think that the feeling of of dropping out of the Premier League, coming into the Championship, seeing that it's not the you know people just come into and and perish you can actually get back out again and get back into the the promised land i think takes some of the that nervous frantic panicky scenarios that we saw unfold in the 2019-20 season from happening again because i think it allows the players to go look come on look we've we've got up we've been winning games it's not it's not you know a scary world down there we don't need we, need we don't need to be terrified we need to just go into this now and carry forward the momentum and enjoy the football that we're playing if it doesn't go to plan one week it's not the end of the world i know the breakdown in the premier league is a little bit more sort of there's a there's a longer sort of swathe of time before you can get back on the bike again if you if you fail but on the whole it should be an enjoyable experience for everyone and they can play with a freedom and and sort of there's enough players in there, and I think all will come, that they will want to showcase their talents at a higher level. The likes of, you know, for, for example, Daniel Backman or or William Trista Kong or Francisco Sieralta or, you know, Will Hughes, if he stays, great. Um, you know, being able to come in and go, no, I'm a starter. I'm not behind Etienne Capou or I'm not playing out of position. I'm playing in the position that I want to play. Ismail Assar with. You know, two seasons under his belt of English football, and someone who's really, you know, even more of a swagger about the way that he plays football. Ken Sema, who's got, you know, a season playing City and then in the Championship and now coming into the Premier League. João Pedro, different beast to when he first arrived. So there's lots of players that will now have an opportunity to go into the Premier League and hit the ground running. And I think that the hierarchy will be thinking, no, look, come on, there's enough there's enough in this squad to be an exciting squad to maybe catch some of the, the teams in the in the Premier League that have been maybe stagnating and might sort of there might be a bit of a managerial change here or there that might make one of those teams a bit more sort of low-hanging fruit. You know, we can be competitive against the teams that are we're promoted with and I think the target will be You know, getting 10, 11 wins, getting 30 points on the board, picking up a few draws, that's your base level. Start again, start fresh, be hungry, be new. Don't think you're established. Yes, you're back in there. You've got a lovely ground now. You've got a bit more money, but be hungry and be the new kids on the block again. That famous quote from Ian Wright when he was talking about Kike Sanchez-Flores, oh, there's a new sheriff in town. Watford need to be new, they need to be fresh and they need to be an exciting proposition Play with that sort of freedom and and go for games. Don't be sort of scared and edgy and nervous and backbiting and nasty and sort of you could see, especially you know during Project Restart, there was just oh, it was it was it was horrible to watch. Yeah. Um, so. You know, now go into, enjoy it, boys. And I think, you know, circling back right to the beginning. I never say circling back, by the way, but I've just bloody said it. Circle back right to the beginning, lads. You've shown a bit of character to own up to that ad there. Yeah, I I have. I have. Thank you, mate. Go back to, what do you need to ensure that people stay on that sort of, that positive tip? You need a positive head coach and they've got someone that is going to start and it's an opportunity for him to show what he's capable of as well in in Shisco Munoz. So I think the recipe, the ingredients is there. They might need to sort of just, yeah, develop the the recipe a little bit and get get the right sort of. I've I've gone weird with the analogy. Get the right ingredients, and I think that they've they've got enough of them at the moment. But just a few sort of little bit of seasoning, it might be all right.
1: Just so you're aware, lads, we're talking about the Premier League. We've still got two games of Championship left to go. This is the weirdest thing about it all. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, but we're thinking ahead, and that's the most amazing thing to feel that we can do that at this point where it. At many points this year, it really hasn't felt that way.
3: Uh, Thank you very much, Michael, for your, your time. Not at all. And could I just say thanks to um, everyone. There's a bit of an outpouring in, of emotion, wasn't there, over the weekend. Everyone got a bit tired and emotional at some stage, but I think there was lots of um, people thanking each other. There's been lots of great content out there in the Watford world. So just thank you to everyone who took the time to uh, say they've listened to the podcast and, and enjoyed it. it. It means a great deal to, uh, to all of us. And um, yeah, just thanks for that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank, and, you, thank you. And thank you, Adam.
2: John, absolute pleasure. I haven't been on for a, for a couple of weeks, so it's been great to sort of chew the fat with you boys as well. So, yeah, no, nice one. It's it's happy times being a Watford Absolutely. fan and a Watford reporter for The Athletic. Bingo.
1: Absolutely. Remember, if you want to read the full article of what Adam wrote about Watford's Premier League plans, go to athletic.com forward slash rookie end. We're back on the weekend where we try to decide what awards we can give the Watford players and who should really be the player of the season. Come on, you ones!
2: The Athletic